Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. We share good news and godly wisdom to empower you to be salt and light in every season of life. The nations are raging. The earth is groaning. Tragedies are happening all around us. The fires in Maui and ongoing work in other cities who have experienced natural disasters continue to be at the forefront of our mission's work. As Doug often reminds us, we can do much more as a mended net together. Listen as Doug shares what he senses is taking place in this season, reminding us to find a perspective greater than ourselves. After the episode, consider leaving a review and follow us on your favorite streaming service. If you've gleaned anything from this podcast, consider paying it forward with a gift at somebodycares.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. I've been revisiting some things that I've written and even articles I've written in the past and realize how appropriate and timely it is today. In fact, this particular podcast is being taped and released at the end of August 2023. Although the message is timely any time of the year, I felt it was really appropriate for where we are. In fact, I live in Houston, Texas, and the last few weeks, actually many weeks, we've been in a drought. And here in Houston, as well as many other places, There is a need for rain. In fact, many are praying for rain, for the refreshing and replenishing of the land. Let me take a moment to share some thoughts I have about the entering of the end of the summer season, as well as the need for the seasons of rain. Now, I am talking about the spiritual context and the need for an outpouring of God's presence and revival, for sustainable revival and transforming revival in the lives of individuals and in a corporate context. But before I do that, I want to share some things that are ongoing as far as the relief efforts in Maui, Hawaii, as well as other things that we're engaged in and involved in, because I believe it all fits together in this increasing nations raging, the earth groaning, and all that can be shaken is being shaken. Now, all of us have had our hearts grieved as we saw what was happening in Maui and the over 115 people that have confirmed dead, the loss of life, the loss of property, the struggling, the trauma, the pain of so many families. And there's a corporate trauma that we're all experiencing watching the tragedy that unfolded and is still unfolding in Maui that's affecting all of us. Early on in the relief efforts, our friend Sean Malone, the director of Crisis Response International, longtime friend and also a major partner with our Somebody Cares America and international relief efforts, he said, the grief is immeasurable. He said, our chaplains are already providing much-needed emotional support, lending a listening ear to survivors in their stories of escape, rescue, and tragic loss. You know, with at least 115 confirmed deaths, the fire is now considered the deadliest natural disaster in Hawaii state history. Both hundreds of people still reported missing. That number is expected to increase steadily as cadaver dogs continue to search for remains. This is tragic, and it's heartbreaking for all of us to even consider this and think about not just the loss of property, but the loss of life and loved ones. But I want to thank each and every one of you who've been a part of our Somebody Cares America and international efforts, because we've been able to right away come alongside and serve with funds and resources, encouragement to people like Crisis Response International, their chaplaincy ministry to the traumatized survivors of the Lahaina wildfires, as well as helping ongoing help into churches that are in Maui. So there's a lot of great organizations, nonprofits that come into situations like this. But we believe in working to and through local ministries and churches because when the media is gone and others are gone, those are the ones 
that we want to help give equity to, to continue to reach their community. They know their community. They've given to their community. They have sweat equity in their community. So we right away sent funding to some churches there that already know the community. They're helping people. There are many of their own members that were impacted by this tragedy and the fires. And we're also helping local businesses. In fact, a national organization that we work with, a national uh, business, has partnered with us. And we're sending funds to help families that were displaced and families that actually lost loved ones to send basic resources to help them get back on their feet. Another great need there is one of the greatest needs is housing. Early on, I was talking to one of the pastors who told me that their church was providing shelter and food and other essentials to over 900 displaced residents at that time. And I'm sure that number has gone up exponentially along with placing at least 150 people into longer-term housing and their particular needs that they had at the time. The church there also plans to build temporary shelters for many families on one of their properties. We've talked to other pastors of various churches there, and we've sent some funds directly to them because we know that right now the immediate need is to get gift cards or get basic essentials for those who are looking for short-term and long-term housing, as well as other basic needs or necessities. We've heard story after story. In fact, one story stuck with me was someone who was trying to get out of their house and they had to leave so quickly because the fire is moving so rapidly that this particular family had to run out with only what they had on at the time. Meaning there's basic needs, clothing needs, there's other basic needs for food and shelter. And that is what the church is doing. The local churches, the local people of Maui, and the local Hawaiians are working together hand in hand, neighbor helping neighbor. And we need to come alongside those communities to help. As I shared earlier, there is a company that partners with us at many disaster relief efforts, as well as part of our local ongoing outreaches that we do even in our city. And so they have a company that works with them in Maui. And so we began to identify what are some of the actual practical needs of the employees that were affected in that particular company as they're out helping their neighbors as well. And so we've been working together to get finances and resources and practical things out to those that we're working with, like CRY, taking resources, sending resources, getting funding to them, to some of the local churches, to some of the local ministries that are working with the locals because we want to come alongside helping to and through the local churches, ministries, and local community because it's their community that they know what the greatest needs are, and when everyone else is gone, they're still there. Again and again, I've seen the miraculous hand of God. And every time there's a crisis, every time there's a need, we might think we don't have a whole lot to give. And as a small organization, we give what we can, but I've watched the fishes and the loaves multiply over and over. As Jesus did in the feeding of the 5,000, there was only a few fishes and loaves. And yet offering and thanksgiving, it became multiplied to become more than enough. God miraculously provides and multiplies the resources when we make ourselves available to Him. And we believe in working to and helping the local ministries, churches, and organizations and people that live there in Maui and other places. So I thank those of you who prayed with us, standing with us, so we continue to send resources. In fact, on a regular basis, we're putting and wiring funds there. We're actually sending other resources. We're sending gift cards. We're even sending daily devotions for first responders and law enforcement who are going through an overwhelming time themselves. In fact, 
I was talking with Sean Malone of Crisis Response International, as well as some friends in the Four Square denomination that are working there, as well as other local churches. And they're saying that some of the first responders actually lost their own homes. They already were tragically impacted while they're out still serving the rest of their community and neighbors. So we sent them daily devotions to be able to be passed out that they can at least get some strong encouragement, spiritual help in the midst of trying to get some practical help to those that live there. Obviously, recovering, rebuilding for the people of Lahaina will be long-term, a long-term process, one that will continue long after the media and initial responders are gone. Please, let's continue to pray, and let's also come together for those that can and see about maybe sending a donation to your charity of choice, but I would encourage you to try to give to those that are working locally on the ground there, or if you want to give through us at Somebody Cares America and International then we will direct those funds to help those that we know are doing things on the ground and will be there long after uh, the initial phase of this crisis begins to move into other areas. One thing that I've learned, we've learned as an organization with all of our Relief Network partners, is that there is going to be corporate long-term trauma. There will be practical needs that we met. Other agencies will step in, insurance companies, and there'll be so many different things, government agencies But there's going to be long-term need for chaplaincy and trauma and ministry in that area, spiritual and practical. The best equipped for that, I believe, is to help empower the existing local churches there, coming alongside them, encouraging their leadership as they link arm-in-arm with their own community, especially dealing with the corporate and individual grief and trauma that will need to be addressed. And I, again, do believe local churches and ministries have the best capacity because they already love their community, to be able to bring a semblance of healing and hope in the midst of the grief and trauma. Speaking of long-term relief, one of the other areas that we've been continuing to serve in is in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian in Florida. We at Somebody Cares are committed not only to the immediate relief of a crisis, we want to help respond also in the long-term process by connecting with those local churches who are committed to serving their communities far beyond the initial crisis. In fact, in Southwest Florida, one of our Ian Relief partners is the Church on Skyline in Cape Coral. That's where our initial response team set up, serving hot meals and supplies distributed there immediately after Ian hit last fall. At the beginning of August, our Somebody Cares America Vice President Jody Chiricasta learned about the church's plan to sponsor 10 classrooms for the upcoming school year. And because of Ian, said Pastor Carter, the teachers are having to come up with supplies out of their own pockets. The average cost is around $500 per classroom. Skyline had covered the cost of three classrooms already, so Jody quickly said, well, Somebody Cares America will cover the other seven. Because of that gift from Somebody Cares, Pastor Mike, who had asked the teachers to send the church their wish list from Amazon, was able to order the entire list for all 10 teachers. One of the teachers said to Pastor Mike Carter, I was shocked when so many packages arrived. I thought a few things from my list would be purchased. What an amazing way to start the year, they said. These kind of ongoing stories bring joy to our hearts because we realize in the midst of all the tragedies, it is a long-term process. And we want to make sure the best that we can to come alongside to bring encouragement and to bring help and hope and healing the best that we can to those local ministries and churches who are still reaching out on an ongoing basis to their communities that they so tirelessly serve and love because they live there. There's so many wonderful stories 
and other prayer needs that we can share from all over the world. In fact, I'm preparing even now as I've been invited to go to Kiev, Ukraine and to other regions to bring healing and hope and minister to leadership in those regions. But that's a whole other story. Right now, let me share one more story. There's so much going on across the country and other parts of the world that we get to be involved in. It's the privilege of the calling of God. In fact, every day we pray, Lord, thank you for the joy of your salvation and the privilege of your calling. It is a privilege to be used by God to bring some semblance of hope and healing and to be used by God in the work of his ministry and calling. Too many times we complain and gripe, but there's so much to be grateful for. And it's our opportunity in the midst of the most difficult of times for us to bring a semblance of the presence of God and to let his light shine in and through us that others might see Christ in us. Here's one more little story that happened in Houston. It's happening in Houston because there's so many needs here in my own city as well. Because we've been short-staffed over the last few months, my wife Lisa Stringer actually stepped in to help take care of one of our satellite kind of Joseph Storehouse warehouses where we sort out resources that are donated to us and new items to be able to sort them out to get them to churches and ministries that we're helping and sometimes some individual families that have a specific need. And an elderly woman came up to my wife while she was at the warehouse and said, do you have any canned goods or food items? We need food to get through the week. On a side note, let me just say this, because of the food chain, the food supply chain, so many things going on with our farmland and so many things happening in our country, we're seeing a huge increase in the need for food and groceries and other items from Baltimore to New England to Minneapolis, San Antonio, Houston, all across the country, some of our partner organizations, our chapters, ministries, and churches are all saying there's a huge increase for the need for food and groceries. So my wife said to this elderly woman who was asking for food, we don't often get food donations, my wife said, but she had set aside one box with rice, beans, and a few other items that she was able to offer. I handed them the box of food, prayed with them, and wondered how many others were just like that. My wife Lisa said they could have been my parents humbling themselves to ask for a basic need. They were so grateful, yet at the same time looked numb because of their circumstances. What's interesting is that that particular elderly woman was offered other items. She said, no, though I appreciate it and could use those things, what I really need is groceries to get by for the week. Even though food items might be scarce at times, the warehouse has been abundantly supplied with other items that we've been distributing through our Somebody Cares Houston partners throughout the city and region. It's because of friends like you, because of partner organizations and churches, we can do a whole lot more together as a mended net. With one fishing pole, we catch a fish. As a mended net, we can do a whole lot more together. So thank you to each and every one of you and to all of our partner ministries and churches, organizations serving with us at Somebody Cares America International, and specifically in this context, for all those that we get to work with in the greater Houston area. In fact, in the midst of all this, some of our Houston partners received from us, one particular church, Numa Church, received 500 pairs of shoes that were distributed to a middle school as part of their back-to-school program and outreach. Somebody Cares America and Houston partnered with Lakewood Church to provide school supplies for Rios de Asienta Church in Houston to distribute to 100 children in the community. An orphanage in Monterey, Mexico reached out with their needs, and we were able to send hundreds of pairs of shoes to them. One of our great partners in Houston is Youth with a Mission Houston, and we're able to serve them by getting them some furniture and household items for the families they'd been helping and that they had rescued and established in apartments and homes. We were also able to be blessed to help distribute items to Interchamber Church 
and Latter-day Deliverance Church, as well as many other families throughout our Somebody Cares Houston network with other resources and clothing and items and furniture, things that people really needed, and we were able to get to them through our local partnerships and churches. Just a few of the many that we've been able to help. See, our warehouse doesn't even have air conditioning, so with the intensity of the heat, it makes for a sweaty day, my wife Lisa says. But when I think of all the people we're helping, I choose not to even complain or get bothered by the fact that I usually leave the location with my clothes very wet from sweat. Knowing we are bringing smiles, hope, and meeting the needs of families makes it all worthwhile, she says. So this is just a few of the things that we get to do and the privilege of doing and being a part of every day by serving with the body of Christ to reach and meet practical needs. The Bible says very clearly in Matthew 5.16 in Jesus' own words, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. Let me conclude this podcast with what I alluded to in the very beginning about the season that we're in. And I do believe it is a season for revival and harvest. As we're entering the end of the summer season, yes, the earth is groaning, the nations rage, and in unrest. All that can be shaken is being shaken. I believe the church and many are at a critical juncture, literally. How will the church respond in the midst of what we're going through? It's harvest time. Yet will we be distracted and divided? Or will we put our weapons of warfare against one another aside and pick up harvesting tools together? I've always said revival will come by choice or circumstances. I believe a biblical now word for us, I'd say, is Proverbs 10.5. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. In fact, Jeremiah 8 verse 20 says, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Charles Finney is quoted as saying, Revival is no more miracle than a crop of wheat. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we've been in a quite a few weeks of drought here in Houston. And I know that many of you who understand what droughts are, you know how it impacts every element of life. I've been to other parts of the world where they've suffered drought, major rivers were drying up, it affects the animal world, it affects human life, it affects every element of life. So we understand that. So in a a natural sense, of course, we want rain. Now, Houston has a tendency when it rains, it rains, it pours, it floods because we're such a flat area. So when it rains, it literally floods streets. But we've not had any rain for weeks, and it is affecting a lot of the activity of our city. We need refreshing on the ground. We need replenishing of the ground, replenishing of our water systems and our lakes and our ponds and every other element of life that that survives because of the need and the necessity for water. That being said, we want it to rain, yes, but we also understand the importance that what rain does, because when it rains... There can be no harvest if the ground has not been tilled. So even when it's not raining in the natural sense, even in the spiritual context, we as individuals must always be in preparative heart, that we need to have our hearts ready. We need to be just like Noah was building an ark when there was no rain for over 100 years. Yet he kept, knew he had to build an ark, an ark of refuge. He had to build, he had to build, and there was no rain cloud in the sky. We don't just sit back and do nothing. What we need to do is prepare our hearts, prepare our lives until the ground spiritually, so to speak, and naturally. So when it rains, there is no harvest if the ground has not been tilled or if the seed has not already been sown. So likewise, when we pray for the Holy Spirit to rain on revival or to have revival, 
Remember, there will be no harvest if our hearts have not first been tilled and we have not sown of our lives a seed for the soil of souls. So when Charles Finney says that revival is no more a miracle than a crop of wheat, I begin to ponder that what he's saying is the miracle is not the tilling of the soil itself, the planting of the seed, the watering, attending to the crops, but the miracle is what the Lord does with the seed itself when the soil has been tilled, when the seed has been planted, and when we begin to nurture that seed that's been planted, we So we do in simple obedience, which becomes the highest form of worship, but the miracle is not what we do. The miracle is in our simple obedience, what God does to the seed that we give, the the time, the talent, the resources, the treasures that we offer of ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. So we hear a lot today about breakthrough and revival, but true revival happens when we humble ourselves and acknowledge that our only hope lies in the presence and power of God himself. The miracle is that we would obey God so that when we plant the seeds and till the ground and fertilize and water the crops, that it's God that will bring the miracle rain upon that to nurture the soil where the seed has been planted, where the ground has been tilled. The miracle is what God does with the seed itself. I came across a commentary by Rick Azell from January 1st of 2014, and I want to quote some of that right now because I think it is appropriate to what I've been trying to share He said, Jeremiah wrote eloquently, Harvest has passed, summer has ended, but we have not been saved. Again, quoting Jeremiah 8, verse 20. The harvest and the summer were two different seasons, he said. The former was the time for gathering grain. The latter was the time for gathering fruit. If one of these harvests was a failure, the other was usually a success. If both were unsuccessful, stark tragedy stared the people in the face. The proverb speaks of the tragedy of wasted opportunity. It would be said today, time's up, the party's over, there comes a time when it's just too late. Well, I know a little of farming, he said. I do understand that the farmer has a brief window when the crops are to be harvested before the rot of the fields. The farmer must harvest before it's too late. A sense of urgency is required to bring in the harvest. A similar urgency must be felt for the harvest of souls, he said. Of the billions of people in the world, it's estimated that over 30 million worldwide die without Christ every year. And with over 300 million people in the United States, it's estimated that 41% of the people don't go to church at all, not at Easter or at Christmas or to weddings or funerals. And if they were to die, they would go to eternal punishment without knowing the love of Christ. Jesus' heart broke over the harvest when he said, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38. He saw the people, saw the clock, and saw the need. His heart broke because time was running out. As he said, the old preacher Vance Habner said, The tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. We are living in desperate times, and desperate times demand action. We live in a lost and broken world, desperate for the good news of Jesus Christ, end quote. That commentary by Rick Azell from January 2014 is so much more appropriate now than even then. And as I've even read over some of my own books and writings and articles that I've written in the last 30 plus years, I sense there was a timely urgency, almost a prophetic edge, even all these years that really are coming to the point where living now rather than even when I first wrote them, although there's an element of it, 
but I sense that we're coming into an accelerated moment that we don't want our season to pass. We don't want to waste opportunity. This is our moment. This is our time. Now, as I've been talking about drought and summer, I also want to talk about the importance of when it does rain. When heavy rains come, it not only cleanses the air and land, it also exposes hidden things like vermin, ants, spiders, snakes, etc. And likewise, when we've been praying for the Holy Spirit to rain, then when the rain of the Holy Spirit increases and spiritual water levels begin to rise, along with the outpouring of His presence, it also exposes hidden things. I continue to have a strong stirring in my heart and my spirit for authentic transforming revival. I sense God wants to do something mighty, but He also wants to purify and cleanse us, His people. Are we willing and prepared for the increase of the rising water levels that will also expose the hidden places and things in us? I believe we're facing the consequences of eroding social and moral values, and thus our foundations have been cracked, both institutionally and spiritually. At a time when we need a unity of heart and spirit like never before, it seems there's an increasing polarization that's creating a wide schism in the church and even between believers. Now more than ever, it's crucial, it's critical that we find a perspective and purpose greater than ourselves. I actually wrote that last quote in early 2000 and posted it again in 2015. As I reread some of these things in my journal and notes and articles and books, and the things I've read from others and quotes from others, I realize the urgency of the time in which we're living. And we can focus on the problems rather than being cognizant of the realities in which we live, but we need to also fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need to focus on our destination. We need to lead in such a way that helps others to find healing and hope in the midst of whatever crisis, personally or corporately, they're going through. We'll never win the battle by keeping our eyes focused on the flesh and the things of the flesh. We will only win if we follow after Christ. As Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Let's do that today. Let's get back to refreshing and replenishing of the land in our own hearts by even asking the Lord to do a work in us. He can do a work through us. Lord, I'm asking you again in my own heart and life, Would you give me a fresh anointing, a fresh revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection? Would you remind me of what it means to walk in first love relationship with you? Would you help me, Lord, to go back to that very moment when you called upon me and drew me close to yourself and gave me a revelation of yourself? You gave me a purpose beyond my own flesh. You gave me a purpose beyond my own life. You gave me a life that I could not ever comprehend. You've done things in and through my life that I could have never, ever humanly understood. And yet, Lord, it's been a privilege and honor to be a part with you and to serve my generation. Now, God, I'm praying for a fresh anointing, prophetic clarity and wisdom. Even as A.W. Tozer said that we need to have prophetic insight for the times in which we live, to be able to clearly communicate with prophetic authority the Word of God and the Prince of God to our generation. So God, I'm asking for all those that are listening, all those that will listen, all those that I'll be sharing this message in a live setting or personally or through podcasts or other means, God, would you help us get back to our first love and also give us a sense of purpose and hope beyond the things that we see. The world needs answers. People need hope. May they see the hope of glory, Christ in us. May they see the light of Christ shining so brightly in and through us that they will be drawn to you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.